0: Just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep.
1: Welcome back to my alchemical bromance podcast about beer and the occult. Tonight you're gonna get some beer, you're gonna get some philosophy, you're gonna get some excellent backpacking tips. I went up to Gig Harbor to visit Matt Anthony and we spent the weekend wandering around, exploring, adventuring. We have a long sort of drawn out conversation about monism and dualism, which we tried to get into depth about but I included some links in the show notes so you could go get some background on it and maybe get a little bit more information that Matt and I maybe were not privy to. Sit back, pour yourself a beer, or enjoy your transit ride to work today, and uh, welcome to another episode of My Alchemical Romance. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, where are we? What is this place? We're
0: at Tacoma Brewing. They're in Tacoma, Washington.
1: Yeah? Uh, I mean, we're looking out. I mean, we're kind of... Okay. Yeah, and, we're looking out at it, the, the sound. The Port of Tacoma. And so tell it like, what's, what is it about this place? Like, it's... Um, I love it. Like, it's one dude. Uh, Morgan. It's like a two-barrel system.
0: Um, very... Bootstrapped, but he's just doing Really killer IPAs and Like this, Cedar IPA This thing is called the um, Cedro Deluxe Cedro Deluxe It's Brett. It's a Brett IPA with Age on Spanish Cedar
1: So Cedar is kind of funny Like the nose is super punchy Like it really kind of runs away with you. It, like it's very, very strong. My first reaction is it smelled almost like turpentine to me. Really? I don't know. I maybe I don't remember what turpentine smells turpentine like. Turpentine is not a pleasant smell. The smell was so intense that I didn't know how to react to it at first. So my, my nose was overpowered with all sorts of things that I didn't know how to identify. I love it, because it's like super
0: like what you expect from cedar but also a musky but not yeah. in an unpleasant sense for me anyway.
1: Uh-huh yeah, I guess um, after the initial shock wore off, it wasn't so unpleasant, and I um, I enjoyed. Uh, so I mean, cedar itself, it's it's sour, right? So I guess the the best way for me to think about cedar is to compare it to uh, to oak, which I think everybody's familiar with they if they're into beer tasting. Mm-hmm. So oak has kind of a sweetness to it. Uh, And kind of a dry tartness to it. I wouldn't call it tart, Tart. but a dryness, right? Almost like it. It helps tannins. Tannins do well in oak.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, depending on the toast level, but usually in oak, you'll get a little vanilla. Sometimes a little coconut oil
1: taste. Right. So there's, but but cedar on the other hand is. uh, It's a brighter. I feel like there's there is a lot of bitterness that comes out of cedar, right?
0: I don't get that. that. Well, maybe for you, what I get is like a brightness and a punchiness Uh and a clarity, whereas Oki is more warm
1: and cool. I guess to me, like, I, you know, cedar has a really particular smell in general. Like, you can just pick up a piece of cedar, or be around a cedar tree, or, you know, crush cedar needles in your hand and smell them, and cedar has a smell, and oak to me doesn't. So, when you talk to me about, like, oak, I don't know what an oak tree smells like. I've been around a ton of oak trees, and they never have a smell to
0: me. I don't know what an oak tree smells like, but, like, oak barrels, even before they have spirits in them or beer. Uh
1: That's true, I guess they... Like, the toast they, really changes how... Very few people will have been around that before. That's true. I, th- I feel like, at least in the Pacific Northwest, everybody's seen a cedar bush or a cedar tree and has been near cedar and has, you know, has an idea of what that smell is. Or even, it's, like, cedar houses or cedar planking. Like, cedar just... It, like, smells. Because even it's though... It's not a, not a bad smell. I love the smell of cedar.
0: We have oak, especially if you barbecued. Like, you'd buy post-oak.
1: Oh, that's true. That's
0: it, but it does, it's got a very neutral... It smells like generic wood.
1: Yeah. Until it's toasted. But I feel like this tastes the way I would expect cedar to come through something. Mm -hmm. You know, like this... this, I don't know that I would guess cedar if if I'd been told, but there's a cedary... There's an unsurprising cedariness here that I really like.
0: But I think the brett is what really makes this beer pop. It's an interplay between the Brett and the Cedar. Because I, I think if yeah. you just had like a straight IPA on cedar, it would I don't know that it wouldn't work as well.
1: I think I can taste that. I think I taste now the, the brightness that you were talking about. Like it's a bright, sharp Yeah.
0: Whereas oak is warm and rounded. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that I think that's these are all spectrum terms, so I don't know yeah spectrum terms I, oh like autism spectrum terms yeah because I describe things in a way some way where Amy's like the
1: talking spectrum I don't know what you're talking about I think those make sense though I mean, yeah I feel like I could, yeah. when, you, when you listen to people talk about uh, when people taste stuff they the, the only words we have for taste are um, you know we have like really simple words for taste everything else is metaphorical so I mean I think about that too I think about taste being full or taste being mm-hmm. rounded or taste being sharp, you know, mm-hmm. sharp is so I don't know that they're necessarily spectrum terms. I think that does I don't think they were I didn't think they were either, They're poetic. They're yeah. metaphorical poetic terms, like good tasting, describing a good tasting is poetry. It's like taking the poetry of one sense and translating into it mm-hmm. into words. I totally yeah. get that. Um, yeah, this is <coughs> this is definitely A piece of art. I really like this. This is really good. Tacoma Brewing Company. Okay. All right. So I think what we should talk about on this podcast episode is monism versus dualism. Um, And maybe we should start off, like, I kind of want to know, we talked about this in the car last night a little bit, but can you tell me what you think monism, your definition of monism and dualism? Let's start with... Should we start with dualism? Yeah. I, and these are my definitions. Yeah. Like uh, I, that's but because when we were talking about it last night and when we talked about it in the past, I guess I've always always gotten this impression that like my interpretation of dualism or my feeling about dualism isn't really the same as yours. Uh, and it might just be that nobody has the same. Like we all have a different way of looking at it. There might be different ways of approaching dualism and experiencing it. So what do you think it is?
0: For me, it's uh, dualism is anything where there's any sense of separation uh-huh. between you and anything. Uh-huh. And so, like for me, uh, what you were talking about last night, Western like all of Western esotericism is dualistic. There, there may be some non-dualistic aspects, but uh-huh. it's essentially dualistic because there's a idea like you have to do this work to reach this thing. Uh huh whereas non-dualism, no, because there was never any separation to begin with, that there's no need to work towards reunification with something whenever you're already unified with it because you are it.
1: Okay. I guess um, I'm not really sure that... I, I would disagree with you about the, the idea that, we, that Western myth, uh, the Western mystery tradition is all about dualism, I think that some of it is about escaping that feeling. But I'd say that Western society is definitely about dualism. Like, we teach that in Western society. we I think that that's something that we teach. Uh,
0: I think, like, Hermeticism flirts with non-dualism.
1: Yeah, in, I think that but, but, uh, but you look at, like, Kabbalah or something like that, and it is... You know, the whole idea in Kabbalah is that uh, dualism is a trap that we're trying to escape and you want to get back to the monastic point of view.
0: But even then, even within Kabbalah, you're still, even with the tree.
1: Well, the tree is, um, the tree is... There are different layers and levels whenever there's... But it's, it's layers and levels of, but it's a fake separation, right? You know, so, so like in Kabbalah you have this idea of, of healing the tree because the dualism is a myth the dualism is fake it's um, it's an artificial system set up so that divinity observes itself but it's not real the dualism is not what's really happening that's an illusion and I think that happens a little bit in I don't know Hermeticism it's tough to say but well I don't want to but, but then so then what would a monistic point of view look like to you? Like how would that work? Do you have an example or or do you have like a definition or something? Anything
0: I say is going to sound really trite.
1: That's okay. I'm not flushed out. It's,
0: it's, it's, it's a complete lack of separation. Like there's no, any, any idea of separation between you and anything is a falsehood. Because there is no division. It's just like, whenever you mm-hmm. think in terms of your body, like, at a cellular level, there is a cell. Oh, okay, but... <laughs> sounds like better. Like, your body is made of, like, cells and bacteria. Yeah, yeah. At what point does all that become you?
1: Yeah. And then even... So there's no a, division. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, and then even on a lower level, like, at what point is there a line between, like, this is you this is your body, and this is not your body. Like, even then, you're constantly yeah. trading matter and energy with everything around you, you know, so you exist in... I think this is... I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Uh, but in that case, so, so like, what the Western mystery tradition sometimes talks about, like, killing your ego, or getting rid of your ego, or surpassing the ego, which I think is new, right? Like, that's yeah. a post-Young, post-Freud sort of idea, but... Um, which was helpful for me for a little bit, but I don't... Even that... Yeah... But that also
0: ties into my idea, like, now of um, my view of consciousness and my view of your will have completely changed now as well. So the idea of id, ego, and
1: superego sound pretty silly to me now, too. I agree that those sound really silly. But they were helpful at yeah. one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, one of the things I talked about, in the, uh, that we were talking about in the car last night, was in the in the Corpus Hermeticum. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Brian Kopenhauer, who's one of the modern translators of that, uh, was discussing that he thought there was a a dual theology set there, where there is dualism in some of the tracts, but there's a non-dualism in other tracts, and he thought that it would be sort of an initiatory revelation, where you would originally get initiated and be talking about the dualism and, you know, all this, but then later be taught monism. I, I don't know. I mean, I find it to be a really strange concept because it's not... So, you know, like the the, the the intellectual or psychological school of magic teaches that everything exists in your head. You know, when you contact demons or when you do any of this stuff, it's all just in your head. Which is interesting, but uh, and maybe a non-dualist view, I, I don't know how that but interacts even, with it. I was thinking about that earlier, like, how does that, how do those two things interact?
0: But even all of reality from a neurologic standpoint is in your head. Yeah. It's
1: all... Maybe. There's a lot of stuff that we can observe. No, I know. That observation, still, or the result of the observation is in our head. But... I don't mean that from like a solipsis yeah, yeah. point of view, but Right, like. okay. So where are we going next? Are what we are we gonna gonna get, Olympia. Olympia? We're around? probably going to go to three magnets. Three magnets. That reminds me of uh, Pokemon. There's a Pokemon that has like magnets sticking out of its head. Three. Three, I think. One out of each. <laughs> Ma- Magnachar?
0: Yeah.
1: Tri- Charamag? Mag. Magnazar. (laughs) MAGNITUDE! Are we in a TV episode? I don't know what's happening. Okay, cool. Me neither. They have some product. Is he doing video on his little phone? Uh huh On his little camera thing? Yeah.
0: That's how I shoot video on a DSLR. Really? Yeah, like a lot of stuff on a DSLR.
1: Oh, beautifully.
0: Huh. Yeah. That was a revolution in the video world. Yeah? Whatever... Nikon, like... Yeah? Put out a dslr that had incredible video function just uh-huh. as like a side feature now like this like video world jumped on it like oh my god this looks better than any video camera that's out here really can i put out a camera this is like all 2009 revolutionized the video space that's crazy yeah like most DSLRs shoot better than any video camera did now like canna's like other companies have updated their stuff to where the video cameras took in a lot of the features like, you got real film quality from video for the first time when DSLR started shooting video. Whereas before it just looked like video. Yeah, like 24 frames per second, Yeah. yeah it's
1: nice depth of field, full sensor, better dynamic range. Uh-huh. Okay, now some dude's gonna walk in, and they're all gonna be like, It's Bad Bart! It's Mongo! <laughs> it's the Fratellis. <laughs> oh no, it's Mongo! <laughs> Oh, wow, I'm really plowing through this beer. I guess that means I like it. You tried the Broken Window. Uh-huh. What else do you think Is there anything else I should try here? I haven't had that one yet. That's I don't new. want another one of those. The, you're pointing to the Hazers to stun uh-huh. uh, a hazy triple IPA. Twelve to fourteen percent. That's too hairy for me right now. I just had a... You do the Broken Window. I already had the Broken Window. Oh. No. Then Moe. No. Moe? All right, I'm gonna go get a mow. I think I made a mistake. Why? Well, I, I accidentally got a pint. <laughs>
0: oh. We have an hour drive to Olympia, so.
1: All right, cool. Maybe an hour and 20 with all the peeing I'll have to do. Yeah. Okay, all right. Had some pretzels, my palate's doing good. Oh shit, that has such a good nose on it. The mo. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I was tried it. so grassy. Mm hmm, mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. That is a great pale ale. I love that. What's crazy is that, yeah, even 10 years ago, that would have been considered an idea. That's true. I mean, it's, it is hoppy, but it's mostly flavor hops. Like, it's not extra mm-hmm. bitter. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does, it's it got, like, this really clean, yeah, I mean, grass is a good word for it, and uh, there's, like, this underlying sweetness, and it it, 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 everything is really nicely balanced, and it tastes fresh, it tastes clean, it tastes with a lot of flavor, so there's, like, kind of a bright, malty deliciousness coming through, none of it's cloying, none of it's sweet, it's not overly hot, like... This is the sort of beer that it would be perfect with or without pizza. Yes, so yeah.
0: I'm glad. That's one of the he's canning that one. Oh, really? And the broken window.
1: was it? I mean, I I would love to have this in cans. Mm-hmm. This tastes, yeah. The great hammock beer. So, what did we tell them? Tell tell our audience, our lovely, lovely fans, all 250 of them. We've got we've got a lot of. We're getting good listens now. It's awesome. Even so, if we just had five, I'd be so grateful for the yeah. five. Like, <laughs> even if we had five and one of them was a stalker. <laughs> but uh, tell them what we learned about the canning. So he was just talking about the brewer. Did we learn something about Kenny? We learned something about these guys getting canned. About Tacoma Brewing getting canned.
0: Oh yeah, he's having yeah. a mobile canner come in this week. And right, so, his first run of cans ever.
1: And he just got his can, his printed. So he got printed cans, which means he's doing a big run.
0: I think they're still. Are they printed or they shrink sleeve?
1: Uh, it was hard to tell. I guess they kind of look shrink sleeve. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still pretty exciting. So if you're in Washington, uh,
0: he's actually doing a. Uh, I just checked on Facebook. I can read it well. I don't think this episode will be out by then. But like, he's doing a can release our next episode, the fourth and
1: fifth. Oh, May. oh. So yeah, you're missing it. Sorry, Facebook. Yeah, but sorry, it'll still be cans. Yeah. So look around. If you're in the Tacoma area, if you're anywhere in Washington, probably uh, you should be able to find Tacoma Brewing, Mo Pale Ale, and Broken Window in cans. Um, the Mopale Ale is delicious. It's this is like a perfect time of year for it too. Mm-hmm. Like the rain might possibly be letting up at some point in the next uh, 90 days, which it did. This last week was incredible. We had like
0: yeah, 70 degree sunny days all week until yesterday. Oh god, we got
1: we got murdered in Portland. It went up to like 85, 86. I hated it. It was awful. I think I got 78 one day. I wore I wore Searsucker. I wore Searsucker in April. The 78 on the water is a different 78. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this would be a perfect, like, this is a good barbecue beer. When all of your Absolutely. stupid friends are drinking Budweiser or Coors Light or whatever the hell they're drinking now, this is a great barbecue beer. We're drinking Red's Apple Ale. <laughs> but yeah, so like the, the psychological model, uh, you know, like Lon Milo Duquette has that famous line that... I think I've repeated a dozen times this podcast, which is like, it's all in your head, you just have no idea how big your head is. Yeah. Um, Which is great, but, I mean, I guess I don't know. I guess there's part of me that almost wants to say that, like, the drawing the line between monism and dualism might be fake. Kind of like... Kind of like dualism is sort of a model to deal with a with a united world because consciousness is small by default, right? Like our our default model, our default experience of consciousness is fairly self-contained and is mostly confined by our senses um, and we have to like work to expand outside of it. So it's almost like we're originally presented with this dualist model because the realization that dualism is wrong is the is the revelation like that's the, that's what the initiation teaches you is that
0: but it doesn't for everyone it doesn't for
1: that's true that's because true because otherwise
0: Gnosticism wouldn't exist you wouldn't like a lot of these schools well move. Gnosticism
1: died maybe for a reason and, the, and we, we should also acknowledge that not all Gnostics were dualists. I don't know that you can make that. I don't, I don't there were so many different schools, right? It's, you can't lump them all together. It's. It would be irresponsible for us to do that as non, non-Christian scholars. But just from the little bit I've read, there, there were multiple schools of Gnosticism and not all of them were dualists.
0: I've I, I yet to see anything. I've seen stuff that flirts in the West, yeah. Stuff that flirts with non-dualism, but I, I don't know that it. I really haven't had that experience. It all still has
1: some smell of dualism.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Which makes sense. I would agree that's with the that. mindset that we are trained in growing up in the West.
1: Yeah. So, and I guess I mean the whole the whole like Renaissance cosmology or medieval cosmology. That all is based out of. Even, even Platonism, even Neoplatonism has like a dualist element to it where but I mean part of that part of that in Neoplatonism or, or like you know the platonic idea of the different realms is that you have to escape from that viewpoint it's saying like you have to get out of that viewpoint and realize what is going on and nobody who's still stuck in that viewpoint is going to believe you Yeah. so but it still takes going through a dualistic system it's, to but get But it's there. an escape from the dualistic system. Right. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it but seems to be have, only necessary. So you less. have escaped from a dualistic system uh, maybe. Maybe. a little bit. Or you're, or you're I feel or like you're, I have, but I don't or are know Or you're on that. the verge. Yeah. I mean, I, because I have that same feeling, right? Like, I feel like I have kind of escaped and kind of not escaped, That It's a realization that... I don't
0: know if put words in your mouth, but for okay. me it's the sensation that it's... Oh, I've gone through studying these systems and all of this strife and this work only to realize none of it was needed from the beginning. But since we grew up in the West it was needed. But the counter realization again of realizing it wasn't.
1: Well that's the thing. Is it It was if it were it not for, It was needed because whatever was Matt had to get out of right. that version of Matt, into the version of Matt you're in now, but the which has always existed, Right, you just weren't here. But yeah,
0: <laughs> knowing that I didn't need all that to begin with, but it took going through all that to get there.
1: Yeah, because you didn't know that you were already the mm-hmm. you that you could be. Right. And there's probably another you that you are not yet, that is still waiting for you.
0: But those me's still don't, aren't real. Well, they're, they're real. They're,
1: they're but, real to they're that, real, you. yes. Teacher you is laughing his ass off yeah. at us right now. Probably.
0: <laughs> Ask me in three years, I'll probably swing back hard the other way. Like, uh. I
1: don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's way better than... Is it? Than Joey's monism. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because when I was talking, you know, um, like escaping from the psychological model of magic especially when you start dealing with like grimoire stuff which is all about communicating with spirits there's not all of it but there's a ton of communicating with spirits and like summoning spirits and sort of making these connections with them Um, and there are a lot of nuances to the practice which I don't want to get into right now but, but the overall view of it dealing with them as if they're external entities um like, I don't know I don't necessarily feel like it's acknowledging dualism I feel like it might be acknowledging the smallness of consciousness or the inability of consciousness to really acknowledge its own size and breadth so so I mean maybe it is all in my mind and I just don't realize how big my mind is uh, maybe my mind is just one realm of something much vaster my own consciousness is one realm of something vaster. I I don't really know how either of those work but I have this I have this vision I have this just like consistent image of of like consciousness being you know when you if you stick if you stretch out your fingers and put all your fingertips into a bowl of water like consciousness is just the tips of the fingers that are below the water and everything else is all connected like it's all the same stuff it's just different experiences of itself or different experiences of something that are still all part of the same they're all part of the same soup yeah you know it would have been better if I started out with a bowl of soup (laughs) (laughs) I mean because it is except that the hand is also made of soup <laughs> the,
0: the fingertips are your perception of consciousness the hand is just the contents of the consciousness
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah but still even then there is no writer no person sitting behind the brain driving consciousness all consciousness is, is just contents okay then tell me contents why contents and input if because like the example of in patients where you had the corpus callosum severed, mm-hmm. separating the two hemispheres, yeah. And in patients, especially where you have language, is developed a little more in the Ooh. right hemisphere than it would normally be. Mm-hmm. You, have some of the experiments done, where you ask, uh, "What do you want to be? Like, what's your ideal profession?" The left hemisphere, which normally controls that stuff. Uh, you know, writes like, oh, I'm an engineer. The right hand will actually write out, like, I'm going to be a pilot. Consciousness can be bifurcated, which means there is no writer behind consciousness. All consciousness is, is just the contents of memory and sensory input. So there is no writer behind the writing. Like, the fact that it can be bifurcated says that there's no me observing behind the curtain. There's no you there. Yeah. It's just the contents of everything I've collected. Which is terrifying and freeing at the same time. Yeah. And that also ties in with the illusion of free will. Just said he's going to showing that even when you think you're making a decision everything has already been decided
1: before you're aware of that decision being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which might not have anything to do with free will. That might have to do with either causality or the nature of time. Yeah, those are those are really um, weird things to think about. Mm-hmm. They're terrifying at
0: first. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's terrifying to think about, but... Um, It is. It is. It's one of those things where even when you just get a hint of it going on in your brain, and then you're in a place like this and you look around and you're like, oh, what does that mean? What is it? Is consciousness meaningless?
0: It doesn't have to, I mean, something can have meaning without having, without prescribing some kind of, ascribing, not prescribing, ascribing some kind of grander, overarching meaning for all of it. You can, I think find, that, you can find meaning in it, uh-huh. personally, but there doesn't have to be some overarching meaning to the whole of everything. Well, I mean, there doesn't have to be.
1: It doesn't have to be.
0: There can be, but odds are there probably isn't.
1: How do you calculate? How do you calculate the odds? You can't say odds are there probably isn't. You can't calculate that. You don't know that for sure. I don't.
0: But there's nothing say there's there's less pointing towards there being an overarching cause and
1: meaning to it all than there is that's Which I really think I I think that especially I mean I think that just points back to this argument that like or to this idea that consciousness is a way of the universe observing itself. Maybe poorly, maybe just an aspect, maybe there are other parts. I mean we're probably not the only observers or the only way of observing or the only way of being observed. But it's one way.
0: No, we are, I mean, because there is no separation. We are... existence observing itself. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that necessarily means
1: that there's... I'm not saying that there's others that there aren't. But... It, we're definitely not the best way to observe the universe. My Alchemical Bromance is sponsored by Miskatonic Books. Miskatonic Books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare, limited edition, and custom-made books of the highest quality. They specialize in books on the occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, Hermeticism, and other topics of interest to you, our listeners. Check them out on the web at MiskatonicBooks.com. Okay, welcome to part two of... Maybe it's not part two. Matt, where are we?
0: (laughs) We're at McCormick Forest Park in Gig Harbor. It's an old growth park
1: with primitive trails that uh, I really enjoy. It's super pretty. I have to say, I haven't seen any... I mean, this stuff here isn't old growth yet. No. But there's going to be old growth coming up. Yeah. That's cool. This is our first attempt recording outdoors on a trail like this. Last time I tried recording outdoors, I kept holding this thing up to Matt to talk, and it was uh, not recording. <laughs> you remember that?
0: No, I don't. we tried walking and recording? No, we were brewing. Oh, yeah. But that was loud with all the, the gas and whatnot.
1: Yeah, however, I've discovered a lot of editing tricks, and if I'd had the input on this turned up high enough, it wouldn't have mattered.
0: That helps, setting levels,
1: yeah. and actually hitting record. Two beginner tricks. Two beginner (laughs) tips. Hit record. (laughs) Tips for beginner podcasters. Hit record, check your levels. (laughs) So
0: how often do you come out to this trail? This winter I didn't come out that much, but uh, in the summertime almost every day. With the exception of the weekends, because Sunday is my big hiking day where I'll go out to the Olympics but I try to every day. Now that the weather's nice and we have actually have di- daylight, when I finish working,
1: I can come out. Uh, there's a cedar. Yeah, I really miss this in Portland. I know it's available, like, we have Forest Park, and there's Mount Tabor, and Powell Butte. But I'm lazy, and I don't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're deep in the woods. <laughs> yes. And I don't know how much of this is going to make it into the... If the, the background noise is being picked up here, but...
0: There's a super horny bird. And then the sound of the traffic from Highway 16.
1: Yeah, which I guess is one of the things that's super disappointing about hiking in any urban area is you always get the, you always get traffic noise in the background. But um, and this mm-hmm. butts up to a women's prison. Oh, well, we should pick up pick up some hitchhikers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess one thing that uh, you know, if the traffic noise is constant enough, you can just pretend it's the wind going through the trees, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And there's a certain point where we'll go down and it'll get loud, and we'll go up a hill, and the like within one turn, like a twenty yard stretch, the traffic noise disappears.
1: Oh, cool. Well, that's neat. Um. All right, so I have a question. Yes. Uh, so. Over the last... So you've mentioned that you've been sort of using, like, hiking as kind of, like, a spiritual practice or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, do you do any sort of... Like, is there a walking meditation or something of like that that you do? Or is it just kind of like a... How do you... How do you spiritually express yourself in the woods l- legally? <laughs> um... I was just catching on this pollen
0: on the... Most of yeah. them, really, it's just basic mindfulness. But if I find... Uh, particularly interesting or large or old tree mm-hmm. i'll stop and do a breathing exercise mm-hmm. on the tree
1: yeah and just sort of Bra- the, like
0: visualizing yeah like uh placing my hands on the tree picturing breathing my co2 mm-hmm. into the tree and inhaling oxygen out of the tree just a way of connecting
1: yeah and grounding. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a good practice mm-hmm. Do you, um, do you ever spend very much time learning how to identify plants and trees and that sort of stuff?
0: No, but I want to, and that's why I was really excited yesterday to find a book on uh, edible plants in the mm-hmm. Northwest. But I want to, like, that was the first thing I wanted to learn, but beyond, then after I learn some of the edible plants that I see on the hikes, I want to learn more about all
1: the other plants. Have you thought about doing, like, mushrooming?
0: Yeah, I have. I actually went to um, Oh, you went Mount St. Helens. That's right. And foraged for mushrooms with the Mount St. Helens Institute. It was, How really was fun. It? it was really fun. We bought. Oh, we got. Not bought. We found so many um, chanterelles and lobster mushrooms, and oh. we just had a giant bag. It was awesome. That sounds cool.
1: I wonder if this bird is gonna have any left.
0: Oh, it? and I did find an animated muscaria when I was hiking on the coast.
1: Yeah, a couple falls ago. Probably, you, you didn't eat it though
0: No, I actually left it I, I, I was like really bummed out I was like, I should have taken it and dried it But I thought, no, this is too cool I think other people need to be able to see this So mm-hmm. I just left it
1: I've come across those in the woods pretty often They're they are actually out here in, in southern Oregon, I never saw them yeah. But uh, i they're kind of scary to me Like Those are toxic too yeah. yeah You just feed them to
0: a reindeer And wait to collect the reindeer's pee
1: Well, let's go find a reindeer Sweet Okay, so we went downhill, and then we went uphill. And then we went downhill. And then we went downhill. And then we went uphill again. Yeah, and now we are um, at Jack Rabbit's Palace, or it looks like Jack Rabbit's Palace. Matt's getting a picture that we can share. Um, and he was right, we've come up to a place where the traffic noise is pretty much cut off. Tons of birds in the background. And Matt, uh, I don't know if you know this, so I'm going to give you a uh, dumbest uh, plant identifi- identification tip ever. Okay. <laughs> okay. You see this kind of pine cone? It's, it's long and narrow, it's kind of soft, and it looks like it has a bunch of snake tongues poking out of it. Mm-hmm. Douglas fir. So when you see these, you know that you're standing into Douglas firs. Um, and then also in here, there's a ton of cedar, I think red cedar. And I haven't seen any other pine cones, so. That's
0: mostly what we have up here, is just dug fir. But we don't really see a ton of cedar. Well, there's a ton of cedar in here I meant like compared to
1: Oh, yeah, yeah um, Yeah, and I don't know I feel like I've read uh, articles about Other uh, conifers that are really prevalent up here But Doug Fir's doing a good job Just sort of taking over everything It's spreading like crazy Lodgepole pine Lodgepole pine There's a lot of lodgepole pine in eastern Oregon <laughs> My dad hates lodgepole pine <laughs> Um, so you're going to go backpacking? Yeah, next weekend. That's, I don't know where yet. This is your in- second backpacking trip? Yes. Uh, give us some things that you learned after your first
0: backpacking trip. Uh, the first and biggest thing I learned was don't be a jackass and think you have to carry all of your water in. Buy a water filter. Like, <laughs> backpackers actually do and only carry a little bit of water in. Uh-huh. And like map out where water is, where you're going to be staying, mm-hmm. and just filter your water there instead of lugging in three gallons like a jackass.
1: Even if you don't want a water filter, you can always get iodine tablets, and you can boil water. Yes. Uh, it's way better. I mean, nobody should... You said you carried in three gallons. Yeah. That's that's 25 pounds? Yeah.
0: And I carried... The other thing I learned, I carried a bunch of stuff, because I thought, you know, once I got to camp, uh-huh. I would get... Not bored, but I'd want stuff to do. So what did you bring? I brought, like, a couple of books, and I forgot what else... No, I mean, not a whole lot of stuff, uh-huh. but stuff I wouldn't bring this time. Cause I found that I was actually, by the time I finished dinner, I was more or less ready to go to sleep.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, um, when I go backpacking, I usually bring one book and I try to keep it small. So maybe sometimes it'll be like a book of poetry or something I can read more than once. That's a good idea. Um, and, uh, Almost all the backpacking I do is out in the desert, so mm. I usually carry three liters of water. But if I was in a place as wet as this, I would probably only do two liters. Because um, I also—I don't think you sweat as much in the forest as you do in the desert. Uh, uh, it depends on the hike. Yeah. Usually, I do pretty um, tough hikes. Yeah, yeah. Like I pretty guess pretty big elevation changes. You just always sweat. Yeah. God.
0: What I did learn, another thing I learned after my 40-something hike, Mm -hmm. bandanas. Bandanas are great. Oh my god,
1: bandanas is the best thing in the world. It wasn't as big of a deal when I had hair. Yeah, but when you lose your hair. Oh yeah, it was a nightmare. That's one thing that I discovered, you know, growing up, I had lots of hair when I went hiking (laughs) as a kid, but as an adult, there's nothing to stop the sweat. Nothing. So for me, I'm a hat wearer. So what I discovered is that no matter what the temperature is, no matter how a wool hat when you're hiking mm-hmm. will always beat a straw hat. Yes. Because straw hats, they don't soak up enough l- nope. liquid yeah. and it'll just kill you. <laughs> <coughs> Hello again. Hello. <laughs> uh, the other uh, thing I was glad that I brought
0: was a hammock. Was super glad I brought a yeah. hammock because it gave me a cool place to hang out. I yeah, you've mentioned that it me a there. couple times. Um, I've never... But I think... Okay. I, I'm always a, ki- a tent guy. I love tents. I like tents too, but I, I need to this week. I'm going to try out staying a night in the hammock uh-huh. in my backyard and see how I sleep. Because I may not take the tent at all this time. Yeah. Because I, I know a lot of backpackers do that now. They don't even mess with...
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting watching you learn how to backpack uh, now. Because when I learned, I was, you know, in, it was in the early 80s. Mm. And, um, and backpacking tech hadn't turned into the stuff that is now the ultralight thing probably didn't really there was no ultralight everything was heavy (laughs) but um and my and you know i learned from my dad so my dad who's you know in his 70s now and is still backpacking every year when we go backpacking he's all like oh my god i found this brand new thing and it's crazy because since everything's been going ultralight and we have less and less weight to carry he now brings a, a chair yeah uh, Backpacks It's a little <laughs> tiny folding, out, folding backpacking chair And it's awesome We all fight over it <laughs>
0: <laughs> With the chair That's why the hammer's great Because it folds on nothing mm mm-hmm. Weighs nothing And mm-hmm. you get a nice place to, But if you're in the desert You're going to be
1: Yeah you hard Well I mean so. You know the high desert Has trees Yeah But uh Yeah it's Yeah it's tricky finding Um good Tent spots In the desert Because you don't want it To be in the sun If you can help it mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of stuff That you try to Yeah Yeah yeah, well, all right, so now you know how to find dug fur. Yes. And you know how to not carry all your water in. <laughs> and um, and I'm really curious to hear how the hammock thing goes, because that sounds cool.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to... I mean, my tent only weighs three pounds, mm-hmm. but it'd still be nice to... How much does the hammock weigh? Uh, if I had to guess, eight ounces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hammock straps probably weigh... Maybe a pound. hmm But I could buy lighter versions of those, too. Yeah. But still, it's less room in the pack. Yeah. Because I, I intentionally chose a smaller pack, too, for mm-hmm. my... Because I I was like, oh, i get a 65 liter. And would you get a 40 liter? 50. 50 liter? Okay. Because yeah, my thought was, if I get a 65, I'm going to fill it with more crap. hmm So I wanted to, like, force myself to limit what I put in my pack.
1: I'm uh, really good at uh, carrying as little as possible. <laughs> you've got a lot more experience. Cause I, it's just yeah, the, well, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things, right? You just leave more stuff behind every time. You're yeah. like, well, I never needed this before. Because
0: I was scared because I wanted to do this for years. But it was like, oh, I'm going to get eaten by a bear uh-huh. or a mountain lion. So that's what kept me from going out. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to have to have all this stuff because I'm going to be out there overnight. What if this happens? What if this happens? And I've noticed that with my day hiking, mm-hmm. my pack, I have less and less stuff in that too now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but for me, like even on a, you know, this little hike we're doing here, uh, if I was going on this on my own, I would still have a pack with yeah, water and stuff water. in it, extra socks.
0: Yeah. You know, that was something I learned that came in handy really quick
1: Yeah, the extra sock thing.
0: Because <laughs> they work great as gloves if you don't have gloves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, also check the weather, where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> That's another good one. All right, well, let's, um, let's see what else this uh, magnificent forest has to offer us. All right. Okay. It's time for more beer. Yes. So we've um, we've explored. We've yeah. had adventures. We went on the walk. We went on the walk, which you guys have heard about already, probably. Then we went, went for a lunch at Tides Tavern in Gig Harbor mm-hmm. on the water. Yep. I had a burger and I had pizza. It was pretty good and uh, really good pilsner. What was the name of that pilsner? Ziggy Zaggy. Ziggy Zaggy.
0: from Silver City. So, and where's that? Uh, it's in Silverdale, which is north of Bremerton, which is in Washington State. Yes. Yeah. Uh, across the water
1: from Seattle. Cool. Oh, Bramerton, where the ferry is. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. We, we've that's that's an adventure that we've had before. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, now, um, so it was Matt's birthday on Friday, and I brought him a special beer. Do you want to open your birthday present? Sure.
0: Oh, some pub. Uh huh. Uh huh. I haven't looked at this yet, but is this abominable? No. Oh.
1: <laughs> this is the uh, the DOA. Oh, DOA. So this beer, um, the Hopworks DOA, the Deluxe Organic Ale, it, they stopped making it like last year or the year before, uh, which I was very sad about. And some of the regulars, like some of the old timers were very sad about, but it's it apparently didn't sell well except amongst very few people. It's an American strong ale. It's kind of hoppy, kind of strong, kind of malty. I told I told Matt a number of times that this is like my favorite beer. I don't know that there's anything super exceptional about it, but it's extra drinkable. It's extra delicious, and a couple mug club pints of this will totally make your whole day (laughs) because it's kind of strong. It sounds.
0: This is only seven percent though. Well,
1: I mean that adds up. Yeah, it adds up. Yeah. If you have two of them, that's 14%. <laughs> Wait, is that how that works? <laughs> Alright, so we're going to open this. Nice. Um, Alright. So the thing is, since they stopped making it a while ago, I don't really remember what it used to taste like very well. <laughs> um, and uh, a couple of the uh, original bartenders helped brew this batch, huh. so they just did one batch So you might never get to have it again after this it Smells really good What are you smelling it do you think? My, my, my nose isn't as good as yours. Caramel? hmm
0: a little uh vegetal quality Behind the caramel I smell some alcohol I don't smell much alcohol.
1: And that's 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 a beer I remember. It kind of has that like malty roasty quality to it. Kind of nutty or something
0: like that. It's caramely caramely without being sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean a hint of sweetness but it's not sweet sweet. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It finishes dry. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a really nice beer.
1: I know. I know. I love this thing. I'm, I it, I got uh, two bottles at the Hopper X 10th anniversary party, and they were like, yeah, there's a four-bottle limit. And I'm like, "Oh, well, I'll, I'll just get two. <laughs> I don't want to push my luck. <laughs> Thanks for sharing this. Woo-hoo. I, I love the it. color.
0: Thank you. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Really cool color.
1: Yeah, kind of a, a, a nice amber. Yeah full flavored I used to I mean this was my this is my Sunday afternoon read a book beer I'd go up to Hopworks get a pint of this sit at the bar read a book nice yeah
0: I bet that's nice living so close to mhm oh yeah.
1: well I mean two breweries right cause I have, yeah I also have gigantic right there yeah I I want to go back to the monism versus dualism thing. So so I I didn't feel super prepared yesterday when we were talking about it. And one of the things that was kind of bothering me was your assertion that, like, the Western mystery tradition has always been dualist. Because it just didn't feel that way to me. So I went and started looking, and it turns out that... D- the issue is way more complicated than we were talking about. Uh, I mean, dualism is fairly. Is it, there's more than one form of dualism, first of all, but yeah. but it's almost always just sort of like a separation. Like here's one thing, here's another thing. Yeah. Um, and the Gnostics, or most of the Gnostics, are the most famous example because they've got like this concept of like the material world or the material creation being mm-hmm. the the output of the demiurge. Mm-hmm. So like super gnarly bad crap. This is the yeah. this is the muck. We live in the muck. But uh, but the pre-Socratic philosophers, the pre-Socratic philosophers were monists, as was Plato. So, but the but it's not. I don't know that it's a definition of monism that you'll be happy with, because so it turns out that monism is split into different categories, and one of them is a an emanatory monism, where everything is seen as one, but it's like an emanation of the one. So that would be. Like Neoplatonism, mm. or um, or like Kabbalah works that way, where where you're saying that everything is one, you just have this illusion that it's not that way that you have to break out of. Yeah, which is like you know like Plato's cave sort of deal. And then another one, and this I don't think I don't know if anybody thinks this way anymore, but one of the types of monism is the single substance school, which says that everything might seem different, but it all arises from one substance. From the Prima Materia. It's, yeah, but it's even weirder than Prima Materia, because before Prima Materia, uh, uh, some of the pre-Socratic philosophers, one of them uh, Thales, or Thales, or something of that, I don't know, I don't speak ancient Greek. Um, fluently. <laughs> uh, he believed that everything was made of water. Like, everything... Like the, so so he, there, there were, he thought there were four elements, but that the primary element was water and that everything arose out of water. So everything in the universe was made of water somehow.
0: So he's an early string theorist.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he <laughs> so would it, still be laughed at today. We call it the soggy <laughs> spaghetti theory. <laughs> um, and then the other one is uh, uh, like pantheism or, uh, is, is sort of a monist view where there is only one thing, and that one thing is the universe, and that universe is divine. And we're all subdivisions inside it that just don't realize that we're one thing. Hmm. Right? Is that sort of the one you were describing? It may be
0: closer to the first. The emanation one? Though I'm still... Even the, the idea of uh, emanation still creates... An idea
1: of separation. But it's um, it's it's the illusion of separation. Yeah. So it's we we uh, we have an illusory separation that we live in that we have to crack out of. But I mean, well, th- okay, so then maybe you can talk about your I mean, that kind of makes
0: think. sense because like I was we talking about yesterday as far as the, the analogy with the body.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: you can get super reductionist at what point, if you go down to the cellular level... And the bacteria that make up yeah. you, at what point do you become you?
1: Right, right. But so well, there's never any like how many how many brain cells do you need to have like you were talking about the bifurcated consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Like if you can if your consciousness can be split in half and there are two parts of you that have different opinions that aren't aware of each other, which of those is you? And are they more you when they're talking to each other than when they're separate?
0: I don't... No, I don't think they are. Um, they're just different yous? Yeah, but even then, there's still not a you. Hi, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that,
1: that's Zoe. Zoe's uh, our new co-host. <laughs> She's joined us at the table, has <laughs> a lot to say. Zoe, what do you think? Monism or dualism? Oh, She yeah. thinks this is <laughs> She thinks this is boring. <laughs> she subscribes to Joey's. Yeah. <laughs> it's all bullshit <laughs> <sighs> I feel like this beer, as you drink it, there's kind of this... There is some sweetness to it, and it's kind of, like, almost fruity. hmm And the hops... <laughs> <laughs> the hops are... Uh, uh, Zoe, are you allowed on the table? Uh, no. But
0: I, this is kind of a... So we're, we've we been worried. Mm-hmm. Amy's now on an Animal Pharma, and so she's been doing a lot of research, reading a lot of uh-huh. uh, journals and stuff lately. Yeah. And we were worried because at the same time, she, Amy ha, or Zoe had to get um, some vaccinations uh-huh. about two weeks ago. Yeah. And Amy read a paper at the same time talking about how... Um, some vaccinations are causing uh, severe mood changes yeah. in dogs. And Zoe has not been Zoe for the last two weeks. And the fact that she jumped up there and was just talking is kind of uh-huh. a good sign.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
0: Because she has not been herself.
1: So, one, one weird thing like coming up to Matt's house, uh, his dogs are really excited dogs. They love to bark. And just like I could walk into the room, I could close, I could walk into the bathroom. Be gone for five minutes, open the door, walk back into the room, and the dogs would bark at me all over again. But um, but they haven't been that bad this time. No. Zoe's like, usually the, the worst yeah. worst one about barking at yeah. people, but no, oh, she's been great. Yeah, Barley the witch dog has been barking at me more than Zoe. He
0: has. He says
1: own issues <laughs> this weekend.
0: <laughs> Alright. You can get off the table. Can you get down?
1: Nope. <laughs> Alright, whatever. Alright. Oh. Zoe wants wants <laughs> to. Um, so, of all the beers that we've tried this weekend, which one has been your favorite, do you think? <sighs> Man. Obviously,
0: Matryoshka from Fort George is always gonna... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, we didn't even... We didn't even oh. Excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Matryoshka from Fort George. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. No, that
0: one. I
1: never broken before. I
0: didn't do it <laughs> Let's See the
1: Okay, so Matrishka, I got a, I got a photo of that, but that's a barrel aged stout. Yes, from Fort That George. thing was incredible. That was a delicious beer. Super, super good. And then um, I really liked. Uh, what we went to Engine House Nine, and we had. Um, oh, the the American Wild Ale with
0: raspberries and cherries. Oh,
1: I forgot about that. The and there was the also dual, the, the dual. hazy that
0: was... IPAs that were the collaboration between yeah E Nine uh, and. Uh, Holy Mountain. And those were... The Ten of Swords and the Five of Swords. Yeah,
1: those were really intense. I, I really liked the Five of Swords. It was a pretty standard hazy. The Ten of Swords was an ass-kicker. Like, it was boozy. It was, like, super over-the-top in every characteristic, I felt like. It was really hoppy, really boozy. I think I liked the Five of Swords better between the two. Yeah, me too. I the Ten of Swords, like, that little sample was all I wanted to drink yeah. of it. I I mean, it was a good experience, but it was just too... too Rich and, and strong rich. to have a lot of.
0: And then the uh, Cedar Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Cedar H beer at Tacoma Brewing. Uh, it's probably between hmm. that beer and... Oh, man. I'm going to call it a three-way tie between that, the Duel, mm-hmm. which was the American Wild Ale from Ingen House 9, and
1: Matryoshka. You know, um, I also had that uh, that Belgian saison at yeah. um, Pints and Peaks and Pints. Peaks and Pints in Proctor. Pe- Peaks and Pints in, in Proctor. <laughs> um, and that thing was pretty outstanding. I really liked that a lot. was good. Uh, I I wrote, I wrote the name down.
0: The beer I got wasn't memorable. I don't even. I don't recall the of
1: Some sort. Yeah, yeah. that uh, was yeah, probably I,
0: my mistake. But I was trying to start the day off easy.
1: Well, and, you know, a good pale ale is a good pale ale. Okay, so that one that I had was uh, the Saison Bockstainwinkle from uh, Braurai Kazematen. Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> I think it means uh, the brothers of the cheese mother.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> and we would have had some beers at Three Maggot's in Olympia, but every single beer on the menu, save the ESB, was a Northeast IPA. I know, that was really disappointing. Which... I love Northeast IPAs, but we'd already had several that day and I yeah. wanted to try something else. So we just
1: left. Well, we, yeah, but we went to um, the Make the yeah. Spec Pub. The Spa. Pub. That place is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember what we drank there. I had the Peaches and Cream L. Oh, yeah. It was good, but it wasn't
0: anything to write home about.
1: Yeah, and whatever I had wasn't that exciting either. It was good, though. Yeah. Was, I had a Pills Beer, maybe? Solid, well, like well made. Solid yeah. beer. It's just nothing. Well, and one thing I got to say about McMenamins is they are getting better. I don't mm-hmm. know if you were here during the dark years. No, but McMenamins used to have a horrible reputation.
0: I first had McMenamins three years ago, and the beer was ram yeah. like. Ram like, yeah. Uh, it's like kind of phoned-in dad beers.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the, and and a lot of their beer still is like. Um, I think they're better made though. Yeah, they've been. They've definitely been getting better. Um, and still my favorite McMenamins beer is their Kris Kringle which is a yeah. winter seasonal like a Christmas beer it's kind of a spiced strong ale it's pretty good. Sounds good we'll have to look for it when that time of year comes we have to make it through the, the difficult summer years summer yes. months though feels like years <laughs>
0: difficult for you, it's great for me here. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah this, was, this has been a really uh, fun trip up here good beers, good food Really good time.
0: Yeah. And the uh, I figured out what we saw yesterday at the Arts Walk. It was called Procession of the Species. What was it? It's just part of the Arts Walk. I guess people dress up as different plant
1: mm-hmm. and animals. Did we talk about the Arts Walk at all? We, we, I don't think we did. We, we went to it. Olympia. Oh, yeah. So we've mentioned a couple places in Olympia, yeah. uh, including Three Magnets and Mick Miniman's Spa Cafe. Those are both in Olympia, Washington. And we... Because we drove to, to meet Seven. Seven Bremner, um, who we interviewed a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we
0: happen, we As soon as we rolled into Olympia, we realized, oh, all the streets are blocked off, and
1: they're packed with people. Well, see, she told me... I guess I was under the impression that it was just going to be an art walk like you know a bunch of galleries have some stuff up and a bunch of yuppies are like walking around drinking free wine or something Yeah. but it was a festival but it was still like li- a- still lives of like uh, oh yeah wine glasses oh yeah or like you know, corks kind like of or poor, poorly done abstract art or yeah. you know like sailboats hippie hippie housewife art or whatever you oh, want yeah. to call it you know happy little clouds and sailboats and <laughs> <laughs> here's my watercolor um but, uh, so we actually didn't really get to see any art. Yeah. It was just this crazy parade, parade. of people
0: dressed as mushrooms and trees
1: and. And it was packed. Praying mantises and. Yeah. Streets were lined. There
0: was, it was tons great. of stuff
1: going on. It was pretty fun. It was really cool. And what was that coffee shop? Burial grounds. Yes. Definitely. So we went there twice. Yes. Yes. It's not good. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I, we should have, uh,.
0: What else? Did we do anything else? Oh, uh, we went to a bookstore. Oh, yeah. Where you bought a book you thought I, you had in a dream. I
1: did, yeah. I had a dream about this book. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta, you know, follow your dreams. They'll say, follow your dreams.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was nice to meet Seven. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was just for a minute, but it was pretty fun. Yeah. We had a good time. We, we had adventures. We didn't even go to Seattle. No. Didn't even need time. to. No. You hear that, no. Seattle people? We don't need
0: you. <laughs> Though I do still want to take you to Cloudburst. And if you okay. live near Seattle and you haven't been to Cloudburst, you should go.
1: All right, next next trip up here, we're going to go to Cloudburst and maybe go on another hike. You think your hammocks are dry? Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe we should go sit in the hammocks. That sounds good. I think we should sit in the hammocks and abandon the podcast uh, crowd to... Whatever boring stuff they're doing. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, Yahtzee. Hilarious. Thank you for listening to My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, I hope that if you like us, if you're enjoying us, that you subscribe, that you go on to iTunes and give us a review, and that you do all that great stuff, and that you come back next time.
0: Oh hey.